0: Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves.
1: Hi. Up?
0: How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm well. How are you? Good. I had a, a really good here.
0: weekend. Good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we um, did some projects around the house we put up a a cover on our gazebo and realized that the gazebo was warped and so instead of trying to like force it we took out a hacksaw and hacked up part of our gazebo to make it fit but it's up now and we're enjoying some shade uh how are you doing
1: good you know it's funny because uh i was recapping my weekend to people and i was like wow i watched a lot of soccer this weekend it was awesome. Um yeah, I had a really good weekend. Saw some family and friends, got some pool time. Um uh, saw another win. Right? And here's our favorite fan Andy on time. Thank you, right. Andy.
0: And he got notified apparently, so that's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what, what are you drinking up, tonight? Um I'm still on Buena Vesa. I mean, I'm telling you that's it's like my
1: Ooh.
0: it's like my dad bod summertime beer like you know like hot girl <laughs> summer it's like my dad bod, summer, dad bod
1: summer nice yeah
0: it's i drink way too many of those um it's like water sometimes um nice. no yeah things uh what are you uh enjoying tonight are you doing a seltzer
1: no actually i stepped it up today Ooh, tito's
0: tito's dang yeah you know tito's. whatever you get the good stuff i was stuff. watching
1: england i was watching england earlier and mm. i felt like if i drank like more seltzer i would fall asleep oh so.
0: for sure yeah there's been be- <laughs> between euros and copa america and usl like i i guess mls is playing right now i just haven't had the bandwidth to pay attention <laughs> like getting Are caught up play? on usl matches i think so or uh, according to the twitter <laughs> machines um at least orlando's playing san jose maybe not playing uh, i think they're like down 3-0 so, at least some of the MLS teams are playing. Uh, but that's what yeah. we got. Yeah, there is – my wife asked me, are you watching soccer? I was like, yeah, there's there's not 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 2, 5. There's the NWSL to mix in there, too. She's like, what? I was like, I'll... just put on Top Chef on the TV. I'll have a game going on my computer. It'll be on mute. I'll enjoy it. Just we'll – have... we'll have a good old time.
1: Except for today. Like, they had – I was all ready to watch another match. Like, mm. just with – You know, watching England at at twelve, and then they had the simultaneous match with um, the Croatian Scotland, and then I was like, okay, Copa, and then I was like, no, Copa,
0: there's no Copa. So
1: (laughs) I was so sad, but it helped. It helped break. Nice. I'm not streaming from the bar, so that's a good thing, right?
0: Right. That (laughs) is very true. That is very true. Uh, well, we have a guest to bring on. Uh, he is a—I uh, want to say—a local legend. I think most people who know local San Diego soccer have heard of this gentleman. In fact, um, well, I think his interview with DK way back in the day was one of the reasons I started paying attention to at, uh, uh, ASC San Diego. Um, way but back. Before in the day.
1: we intro him, we got to intro what? Chris because Chris. Oh, Chris is here.
0: Him. Hey! Hey. <laughs> Chris, What's the that? birthday boy.
2: Yeah, yeah. What's Happy
1: up? Happy belated. Right? Hey,
2: thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you guys were on you guys were on point. You guys said it on the day of. Right?
0: Yeah. We had a yeah, there. I saw you shotgunning beers with friends at their houses. That was,
2: Boom. That was a nice touch. I'm shotgun tonight, but you know, I'm in the Uh-oh. computer room. Probably won't wow. go over so oh. well, but
0: <laughs> 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 Yeah, don't want to get that in the carpet.
2: That does not uh that takes mm-hmm. a while to get out. It's just the only been, way to here now I've been good man um you know had a good last couple of days you know what I mean so just been just chilling out uh, yes. of course you know Juneteenth was over the weekend so got to right. get out into Civic plaza and just kind of really enjoy the celebration a bit um right. you know kind right. of crossing into different realm so to say and uh, uh with with other folk like out of the soccer realm and into like more of the the music and, and community vibe and that was chill and um yeah I mean you know I'm mean pretty much just working on some projects for black diamonds and you know that's all I've been kind of doing
0: nice yeah we, we might dig into a little bit of the um our takes about incorporating Juneteenth into loyal matches in the future um but, We'll save that for after we chat about the game. But I was, I was about to introduce a San Diego legend. Like I said, he I think his interview with DK was one of the reasons I started watching ASC San Diego and really trying to support local soccer. Um, and so we want to welcome in uh, Amani Walker.
1: Yes. Welcome Hello. in.
0: What's up, everybody? Yeah. How you doing?
3: Thank you. Good. Yeah, how you guys doing?
0: good are you enjoying a so beverage know you just got home from work
3: uh so I, now i feel like i'm left out like i don't know what to <laughs> like it like I, I feel like i need to get up and go grab something from the fridge right now <laughs>
0: then go grab something you go grab something from the fridge uh, we'll, we'll stop shoe. i'll give a little background all right
3: yeah let me i'll grab some real quick hold on
0: all right yes. live and direct uh for those of you <laughs> don't know uh Amani Walker is a native San Diegan. Uh, he spent some time at Francis Parker High School, where he played uh, played the soccer slash football slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, we call it soccer because we're Americans, so we're going to lean into that for sure. Um, we're going to talk to him a little bit about his uh, youth club experience uh, in San Diego, uh, but he also has a really interesting uh, background in some of the early um, uh, or the second iteration of NASL uh, with playing Minnesota stars, Tampa Bay Rowdies and, uh, and Mr. Andy King should be happy because uh, he also uh, made some appearances for the Orange County blues, the great historical, uh, historical OC blues. Um, and so we're really excited to uh, be able to talk to him and get, kind of get his perspective on uh, soccer culture in San Diego, in Southern California, and the growth of those uh,
3: leagues oh, yeah. And yeah. Peer uh,
0: is real. there you go.
3: Yeah. Uh, what, did, what did you go and grab? You know, I'm a, nice. Very nice. I'm a company man. Nice. Uh, okay. But then I just realized, so we've moved um, apartments, and now I realize I don't know, I don't have a bottle opener. Mm.
1: Uh, so this Uh-oh. is going to
3: be, gonna be fun. The end of the, table. end of the table, <laughs> if yeah. you have a lighter, you
0: can do all of those. Oh, yes. If you're a buddy of mine in college, you opened with your teeth. Wires,
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drinking. Cheers. To that. I'm drinking right? to that.
1: Cheers to that. Cheers, cheers, cheers.
3: There's the hustle right there. All right, only a little <laughs> spilled on the computer. So, okay
1: it's all right. all right. It's a work <laughs> computer. Uh,
0: So I gave a slight brief rundown of your, uh, your overview of your resume. I did leave out the Jamaica U 20 team. I didn't mention that you played for them as well,
3: but uh, we'll we'll forgive you. All right. Soccer origin story. Where did you, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm so I'm born in raised San Diego. Um, I'm born in Mary Birch, grew up in Linda Vista, so I didn't go very far. Um, and the my father's jamaican um so hence the jamaican national team um and that that connection um and he i mean my first soccer game when i was three three and a half years old playing AYSO um and just really never stopped um played for a couple of, like local teams and everything ended up really playing for surf soccer club and that was kind of my my main stop from 12 to, to when i went to college at 17. Um, and ended up going to UC Irvine. Um, you know, was successful at surf, successful at Irvine. It was a really great four years, um, and I got to do a lot of a lot of really cool things. And um, yeah, I think my experience there really, really did help me out. You know, I was young; I literally was faxing my NCAA papers back to my house um, because I had no other uh, way to sign. You know, I wasn't adult yet, and it was wild. I didn't turn eighteen until after the first season ended. Um, And so just having that experience and being able to play for for four years before my 21st birthday, I think really helped me, um, you know, when I finally did have the chance to go pro um, and ended up getting drafted to Chicago um, after going to the Combine, um, didn't end up signing there. And I thought I was like, man, I'm I'm glad I didn't sign there. It was way too cold. And then I signed in Minnesota. Um, And so that was... That wasn't really uh, the plan. but Minnesota is great you know and I you know I got to um, I got to really blossom there especially my second year and I and um, I think a lot of that had to do with the team that was there, um, you know the coaching, and the staff and we were league owned at the time, which was crazy. So uh, I don't know if you guys know who traffic sports is. it's a Brazilian company um and i can't remember what they did but they owned three teams in that nasl that that first couple of years uh carolina miami fort lauderdale and uh one other team and so they ended up you know pretty much paying our salaries as well because we had no owner um and that first year my rookie year we ended up winning the NA- nasl um and then went on to the second year and made it to like the third or fourth round and then the us open beating We all saw Lake at their place. You know, we were just really great. Um, And, you know, honestly, one of the the biggest contributors of that team was Miguel Ibarra. Um, I played with in college and um, then came to Minnesota. And then, you know, obviously he's had a terrific career since then. Um, I finished in Minnesota two years, and then I talked to the coach that in Tampa really wanted me. And so I said, um, Minnesota, I mean, Tampa's a little warmer um, than Minnesota, slightly. Um, about the same humidity, honestly, during the summer. And so I, I went down there, and I was – I mean, I really love Tampa. Rick um, Ricky Hill is probably my most favorite coach I've ever had in my life, um, just on and off the field. His mind – I mean, he's just a brilliant mind. You, you know, he played for England, and, you know, he was one, one of those who were breaking the color barrier in England um, when he was playing there. We had both had Jamaican heritage um and you know I, I really learned a whole lot for him from him um but my first year i tore my acl um and so and then i had to sit out of pretty much a full calendar year august to august before i got to play again and um you know I, at the end of my second year they were fully well you know they were going to sign me um for for a third year just you know because I, i'd done pretty well and uh four days later ricky gets fired and then you know, that's the end of Tampa. (laughs) Um, so then I made my way over to Orange County, um, and got to play, you know, in the same stadium I played in in college. Um, and halfway through that season, I tore my ACL again, um, and had no idea. So I played on it for another four months. Um, and you know, without it being diagnosed. Um, and then after I finally had surgery six, six and a half months later, um, sat up for that whole year, and then I joined ASC, and that's kind of when my, my career ended, but um, you know, I had, like I said, I had a ton of good experiences all over the place. I got to travel a lot of really cool places for soccer, and um, you know, it, obviously, you know, everybody wants to do things differently, but everything happens for a reason, and you know, I'm blessed to be in a position where I am now, and you know, I, I wouldn't have met the people who I've met. I wouldn't have met my wife. I didn't take that path. And um, so it's, it, I'm happy where I am. Yeah.
0: And now you've come, You your career was kind of full circle. You started in San Diego. Yeah. Orange County, uh, Minnesota, <laughs> Tampa Bay, Orange yeah. County, San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. You know, and, and now Sipped you're, and now you're coaching. So you're yeah. guiding some of these future uh, soccer players at your alma mater what's that yeah. like to kind of return home if you will
2: yeah
3: it's it was it happened I think um after my second year in Minnesota I'd come back and the actually he was the athletic trainer at the time and one of the PE teachers he put he was one of the assistant soccer coaches and he was like hey just come coach the middle school just you know come hang out come come be with us and sure whatever you know so I coached the middle school and our freshman team um, that year, and that was an experience. Um, but it was it was still fun, and we you know enjoyed myself. And um, after that year, he became actually the head coach, and then I started becoming a head coach. So what I would do is that during our off seasons, I would just come back um, coach in the winter time because you know, San Diego um, is, does have very fair weather, um, and then uh, come back coach in the winter time and then go to wherever I was playing. Um, and so that worked out for, you know, the four years, I think I, I was playing as well as coaching. Um, and it wasn't until 2018 after I'd stopped playing with the ASC that, you know, I said, uh, probably should, you know, get a real job with benefits and a retirement plan and all of those things um, that I decided, well, I had the opportunity to work full time for the school, so I run the athletics facilities, kind of working underneath the AD, um, and I took over the boys program a couple of years ago. And so it's it's really rewarding because you you know I, I played on the same field, like I experienced most of the stuff they experienced. And you know Francis Parker is a very difficult school. There's bright bright individuals that go there, um, and they still love the game, um, and I think that's the the greatest part about it. Um, you know, all of these kids are going to go on to be lawyers and doctors and like techies and run the country and um, they're going to do like amazing things. But for two and a half months in the winter, all they want to do is be a soccer player. And um, that part is fun, you know, being able to mold them and, and interact with them because um, they want to do something that I've already done. Right. So. Um, and and they're getting good at it. <laughs> and they're good, you know. We were young and we I mean we lost in two CI finals in two years in a row, but they're they're getting there, right? And so we're it, it's it's a fun it's a fun gig to have.
0: Um so before we uh I before Chris jumps in, I do have one more question. Mm-hmm. Uh you've seen kind of the starts and stops of professional soccer in San Diego. Uh teams mm-hmm. come, they teams go go. Um, what have you noticed? uh about that in san diego the the, kind of that professional Mm -hmm. level and then what is um having a team in like the u.s uh loyal in the usl what does that mean for uh the kids that you're coaching or uh if you were in middle school like what that would mean for you knowing that there's this like this seem to be professional team is going to stay in san diego
3: um, when I, when they were first conceiving the team, when they first announced USL San Diego, they didn't even have a name for it. Um, I met with Warren and Andrew Faciliadis. Um, Andrew actually graduated from the same high school I did. So I had coached with them, known them, golf with them, right? So we had had a relationship before. And, um, I told Warren straight up, I said, this is the best front office staff I've ever seen in a, in a lower league team just starting out. Right. Um, you know, when you look at what, you know, when the money finally came into Minnesota, um, when you look at like what the New York cosmos had, what Montreal had before they went into the MLS, right. Those are, um, full on like money that's going somewhere. The front office staff, they have people coming in. Um, and so from, well, you know, mid-June, July, August, whenever it was of 2019, um, it was the best front office that I'd seen been put together, um, which gave me hope, right? As a, as a kid from San Diego, who forever just wanted a team to come and, and to be here. You know, like if I was still playing, I would have done everything I could to, you know, try to get signed by San Diego, um, you know, when I was still playing. So I think that part, being from the player side for so long, that feels different. Um, and I know I've talked to other players who have played for San Diego and played all over that grew up here that also agree with me and just um, it feels different than every other professional team that i have tried to start up here. Um, and you see now with just the, the following, the backing, the locals, you know, like no other team had that. And the San Diego Soccers barely have you know, some kind of supportive section, you know, that that's that avid um, like that. So, um, you know, if this was middle school money that you're talking to, then it's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely playing for the loyal, right? Like well, after Arsenal, of course, Marissa, Sire. um And then uh, yes. so, you know, th- those type of things, right? So, um, you know, I, I talked to my boys that are here um, who are actually thinking about making that step either to college or professionally. Um, and the loyal seems like an attainable goal, not just because they're in the USL or whatever, but it seems like, hey, I grew up here. I know people who are playing for them, you know, and especially in that loyal select team, um, you know, or, or like the those 15, 16, 17-year-olds that have signed that, those US con- USL contracts, are the, you know, the younger ones. Um, but it's it's really something like, yeah, no, no, this is, this is finally attainable. You go to a game with 5,500 people that there were, on Saturday and it's like, well, no, this feels like, this feels, feels forever, right? It doesn't have that kind of fleeting, um, it's just gonna pass by, you're gonna have be here for a year or two and that's it. Like it, this feels like it can stay for a very long time. Um, and I think that above all is encouraging for soccer in San Diego.
2: Nice. I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to, you know, I, I'm just listening to you and uh, and I think it's cool that you're able to really chime in and of course, inspire young minds, you know, based on obviously, you know, having your experience. And then of course, you know, seeing them kind of, you know, just making the decisions right to, to ultimately get there themselves. Uh, I guess the thing I would be wondering about is like, you know, you were saying that like some of these, you know, some of these young men obviously, will, you know, be soccer players for a few months and then obviously work towards, you know, the other the other um, aspirations of life. Um, yeah. Like, being someone who went pro, like, I mean, is that sometimes hard to kind of see that, like, that you don't maybe always come across uh, young, young players that, like, really want to do the full thing? They kind of just, like, want to play a little bit and then kind of ultimately just veer off into something else, like...
3: Yeah. Yeah. So we work, obviously I work in athletics, right? So a big thing of what we do is our college sports night, um, you know, for all of our kids at the school. And I mean, we only have 530 kids in our high school, right? So it's very, very small. Um, you know, but I think 80% of the school population plays some type of sport. Like it, you know, we just that's We have what we have, right. No matter what level it is. Um, my AD, Puts up a, a graphic every year for the for the college sports night about how many kids play in college in each sport, and I want to say the the highest percentage is crew or you know golf women's golf or something. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. number of high school like that playing in that level and it's like twelve percent. You know, it's like it's not even really that high. Um, but when you talk about a Division one athlete for soccer, it's something like two percent. Um, you know, maybe up to 4% if you're lucky. And that's 2% of the U.S. population right. that is a high school student that plays in high school and makes its way into to college. So at a D1 level, I think the 4% or the maybe 6% is at any level, NAIA all the way up. So when I see, you know, some of those kids who aren't taking it that seriously, I'm like, well, you're fulfilling your own statistic right? So if you, I mean, you have to have the athletic ability and the technical, you know, you have to have a certain level of um, natural gifts to be able to play at at that level. Um, But most of these kids know that they're not going to be playing in college. They're not going to be playing professionally, Um, especially at where I am. If we're talking about the top clubs in San Diego, or if we're talking about a, you know, a D1 program, Open Division High School program, where a lot of those kids have aspirations to go other way. Yeah, sure, fine. But where we are, we understand that, you know, the the best that we're going to get is maybe one or two kids go D one, um, and maybe a couple of kids go D three, NIA, go to like a Claremont McKenna, go to um, you know an MIT, go to an Ivy League school, um, because they just are smart enough to do it, um, Caltech or something. Um, and play there, you know, like I have one kid who, you know, has an offer from Occidental right now. And I think that's a great place for him to be, um, you know, could he probably slug it out and try to play to D one, maybe, but he can go to a D three, get a great education and play four years of soccer. Um, and so I think we have to temper our expectations. You know, if, if they're going to be that good, then it'll kind of work itself out. You know, there's then there's kind of like that second tier where, yeah, you can have to work very hard to get to where everybody else is, and you might be a step behind, but you'll get there if you if you really really try. And I think there's the rest that understand that they're not going to be the the biggest the biggest stars. They're not going to go to the biggest colleges to play, and they're okay with that because they're brilliant and they have other opportunities, other places, right? So we're really in a position of privilege to do that. Um, you know, I had, I coached Cameron Dunbar, um, who plays for the LA galaxy. Now, um, he went to my middle school or he went to the middle school and left, um, I coached his two younger brothers as well, who were both in the galaxy program. They knew at 13, 14, that he was going to play professional soccer. He signed with the galaxy first team at 17. He played against us, the loyal last weekend when they came down with low because MLS had that break, like yeah you you go that route <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna push you that way you know um, but not everybody's a, a cam and dunbar not everybody can do that so right um, yeah we just have i know those kids have opportunities afforded to them that many other people don't have and we just have to make sure they recognize that and take full advantage yeah
1: um, so we have some questions from the audience, and it kind of Uh-oh. goes to your point about <laughs> about support. I mean, you mm-hmm. talked about um, how the front office is very, you know, one of the best you've seen. And, you know, I'd, I'm not going to argue there uh, because, <laughs> you know, I've been around. I'm native San Diego, too. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. well, one of them, they said... Um, like you're talking about how these players maybe go to like Ivy league schools or they don't take the path of being a student athlete. Right. Um, but we're talking on this question specifically is about support. Hmm. So we know and understand, okay, the, the, the front office is great and we want to support um, the club from a fan mm-hmm. standpoint. Why do you feel that there's a disconnect between, or do you see that a disconnect between ple- uh, you know, kids younger than 18, you know, that mm-hmm. are not, making their own decisions in terms of fun recreational things Mm -hmm. and supporting a local club. Like, why do you see that at all? Do you see it changing? Are there any trends that you're noticing? As
3: in in like the loyal specifically supporting one specific local club.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's loyal specifically or, Mm -hmm. I mean, we see it obviously all these years, but um, you know, do you notice anything different about fans supporting Now, I mean, the kids, do you see that at all?
3: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, our generation, right, who are starting Mm -hmm. to have kids and, you know, um, a little Mm -hmm. older than I have, who, you know, who maybe have a kid who's eight to 12 years old, right? We all played, you know, like we all enjoy the game. We want to take our kids to the game and have them enjoy it as well, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think the club, loyal do recognize that, you know, and I think for them specifically, we're talking specifically for the loyal, I mean, there's Mm
1: -hmm. how
3: many clubs in San Diego, right? That you can't pick out a single one to support. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also feel like, you know, as, as fans, it's, it's the job of the fans to support the club in, in, Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, you don't have to agree with every decision that they make. Again, I'm an Arsenal fan, so there's a lot of things I don't agree with with that front office and that that uh, that ownership group, right? Uh, but there is still a love for for the game and for the club, and I think. Mm-hmm. Here in San Diego, that is uh, reciprocated in, in in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, and I think it's like on an individual basis rather than like a full-on club basis. You know, with the loyal select team, um, you know, when you talk about clubs in general, most mm-hmm. of the better clubs have their own academy system. Orange County's doing it right now when they partnered with the Rangers. Carolina's mm-hmm. done it with NCFC. Um, Tampa Bay's done it; they partnered with the Chargers down there, um, so they have theirs. Um, Minnesota, China, you know, like if you look at all of these things, and you look at the MLS academies between FC Dallas and um, Columbus Crew, Chicago Fire, and and the Galaxy, right? So you 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 start to you know gain attention that way. But you know, as soon as you start your academy, you start to alienate other clubs around because you're, you you're know, bringing people to you, and it makes you you know when you just put a loyal name on it, when you put a Galaxy name on it, then it becomes like this. Better thing, right? And then people feel some type of way and get a little salty, right? Um, so it that that stuff it, it is what it is, right? You're never going to mm-hmm. get away from that. That's just soccer politics 101. You know that's what they teach you in the, in the basic basic level. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, i not that I'm struggling with answering the question, but I think there is um, a level of support that you have to get from. You know, the, the 18 to 40 year old demographic with disposable income, um, you know, because mm-hmm. we've seen here in the past, ASC is a good example that I played with, the Flash, um, the Battalion, like all of these local clubs that we had, even San Diego Soccer's to an extent, where you start to focus on families. Um, and then, you know, if I have a family with two or three kids, I mean, every time I go to the game, that's almost $100, 125, 150 with food, and mm-hmm. you know, I can't do that every week, right? Mm-hmm. But I can get some 24-year-old kid who has an okay job and mm-hmm. who's single, and he can pay $400 for season tickets, and then every mm-hmm. week he's going to buy two or three beers, right? So like, mm-hmm. there's 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 ways that you have to be able to market right, and and to a certain Mm -hmm. demographic, and and then get those locked in, and then the families will come, you know, and then, I mean, Sunday was a million people, right, so you're going to get rotating one of those families, but you have a local supportive section that's always going to come. Minnesota Mm -hmm. did that, and they became, you know, like, who they are right now because of that supportive section. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Rochester had a huge section, you know, and and before they, they started to drop off, so Um, I think you you focus there to start and knowing that people want to bring their kids and everything, they might not get them all the way around. Does Mm -hmm. that kind of answer the question?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it also goes to the point that we we're kind of like, we've had multiple iterations of clubs come in and out. And then I don't know if it was the pandemic that kind of just like put everything on a stop, you know, like, okay, yeah. everything, full stop, yeah. you know, let's focus on the community, which I think a lot of clubs can't do. Mm-hmm. Like when they're building, you know, it's like, Hey, we have a club and come to our games and they yeah. don't build up that support. But, and then in the season they're gone or they don't but, win enough. And-
3: you know, I, I was, it's like a, a vicious circle that I've talked about for forever where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have people come to the games and support Right. And Ooh. buy merchandise. But in order to do that, you have to market. Right. But mm-hmm. when you market, you got to spend money. And the only way mm-hmm. to get money is to have people come to the game and buy merchandise. And so it's like <laughs> where in this chicken and egg scenario. Do you start right where you know, like how, how much money do you have just to, to start up? Like, are, are you willing to lose six hundred thousand dollars, a million mm-hmm. dollars in the first year? Or can you do that? If you can't do that, then you probably won't be successful for them in the third year even Mm -hmm. Um, or if you or if you still are you know you're just kind of putting around getting 500 people at your games not Mm 5800 you know that first loyal game was full capacity packed, right and then the 619 Mm -hmm. game was pretty darn close considering that there's been a pandemic for 16 months right right? so um yeah it's just it's just hard but i think money is a big thing um and then once you do things the right way when people go to a game and experience have a good experience whether the team wins mm-hmm. or loses um that makes you think oh no you know what that was kind of pretty fun you know that was fun then you allow mm-hmm. them to watch games at home on fox or you allow them to you know like the espn contract mm-hmm. with the usl is massive right mm-hmm. um, then you have a little pocket supporters group where you can go to a bar and you can continue to to be there um mm-hmm. and this is the second time I'm gonna use uh this, but San Diego really is a fair weather town, right so like if you're not winning, we have so much other stuff we can do like mm-hmm. so much other stuff we can do, and so you have to have a good product on the field or else people will stop coming um
1: mm-hmm.
3: having Landon Donovan doesn't hurt uh <laughs> <laughs> that probably that probably doesn't hurt, but it's been you know it's it's been That's fun true. to watch them. You know, just create themselves and create their own identity through play, through mm-hmm. what they you know, trying to do, filling the void of the Chargers, you know, with a brand mm-hmm. new thing that's not just another, you know, NFL team or, you know, it just feels different. Right. And so, right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future for this team. I really, really am.
0: So I have a couple of kind of fun questions for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> who do you root for if uh, US plays Jamaica?
3: Jamaica. I mean, I, yeah, I've been I've been rooting for Jamaica my whole life. So I there you go. That was <laughs> yeah, a that was
0: a fan question. Another one. Uh, <laughs> we love to talk about food on this
3: podcast. Oh, I, okay you, it's you're talking to the right for, people.
0: Right. <laughs> Fair food podcast. Um, So you aren't at the you aren't at the stadium because I know that you go to a lot of the games and you're there yeah. in person. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're watching on TV. What's your go to like snack spread? This is I'm borrowing a Chris question. He loves. This one. What's your favorite like snack spread? Like how do you set up? For, for, watch a a game. Game, for watching the yeah. game. Like if it's like a big game, like Arsenal decides they want to like spend money and make it to the Champions League and they're gonna be in the <laughs> Champions League final. Like what is your really, really Alan
1: Fates. in
3: that you're welcome. In that in that situation. What'd spread? I like? don't I don't know if I could even dream that big. Like for the, when that scenario, we have to like come down. Like Arsenal, my people. <laughs> All right, you're in the
0: you're in the <laughs> yeah. FA Cup final. You're yeah. in the you're in the there Carabao
3: go. Cup final. <laughs> yeah, no, we we win the FA Cup. Um yeah. Ooh, uh, I, am, I am a big, so I, I love a good chips and salsa, chips and guacamole, right? So I'm big on that. I'm San Diego. I'm a big wing guy.
2: Do you like round chips or triangle chips?
3: Ooh, uh, oh. so I'm, I'm a fan of thin and crispy triangle trip, chips. Okay.
2: okay.
3: Um, I, I love, uh, actually as a local guy, uh, salsa chilena. Uh, that, that stuff is delicious. Um, yes. And then make your own, make your own uh, guacamole, obviously. Uh, I am a big wing guy, and I love hot, spicy food. So, drums uh, or flats? Uh, ooh. I I don't really care, but I'll take flats. Okay. But my wife usually steals all the flats, so I'm usually left <laughs> with of the drums. Um, so, you ask all the hard-hitting questions here. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a serious, that's an honest, like, you're really getting to know me. I appreciate this. I mean, I got to <laughs> uh, know
2: because, you know, if I'm sitting there with you and you got wings and you're like, You're like, hey, brother, dig in. And I'm like, mm, he likes flats. (laughs) I'm going to eat all the drums real quick. You
3: you are a considerate, like, wingshare. You don't find those very often. I like you. (laughs) Not only because we have the same last name. Yeah, right. Um, That's it. uh, So, yeah, you're not Jamaican, right? We're not kinfolk?
2: I mean, you know, I need to do one of those uh, things, man. I mean, I know Walker is also Scottish, too. So you might be like. Link through something like that.
3: Yeah, my, my dad did find out that he was part like English or Irish or something like that. Yeah. So that's probably makes sense. Yeah, Grew yeah. up on the island, you know, the whole time and then with a the last name Walker. Anyways, yes, right? uh, big wing guy, uh, buffalo, garlic parmesan, mm. Uh, mm. lemon peppers kind of at the end. Uh, I like uh, all the hot ones sauces. Have you ever seen that YouTube show? Yeah. Hot ones. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take it all the way to the end. Like, Ghost Pepper, um, Carolina Reaper, all good. of that stuff. Yeah,
2: I'll go that far. Good Lord. <laughs> Don't <laughs> even not- eat the chicken at that point, right? <laughs> Just eat the sauce. Just I mean, eat
3: the <laughs> sauce because you're not tasting anything else. But I won't do that all the time. But a good yeah. like a good buffalo sauce with some Worcestershire and garlic, delicious.
2: Hey, but since we're talking about food, you know, and I know, I mean, I'm out in New Mexico. And, of course, you know, like, through United, I've seen, obviously, von Freder, Romeo mm-hmm. Parks and of mm-hmm. course now Brian Brown and from my understanding like y'all are like big cookers I mean you know I've seen like some ingredients in like Cavon's bowl for sure yeah you know so so tell me tell us I guess a little bit about like the go-to when you're making a chicken dish I mean like what what are some of those spices you guys are throwing up in there
3: uh shoot like so traditional Jamaican spices allspice ginger some clove um, obviously scotch bonnet pepper to make it hot um, and it just depends on what you're making you know, like a brown stew, it's like sweet peppers um, you know, like kind of a browning sauce, curry chicken, obviously it's curry, so turmeric and all that um, and then jerk seasoning you know, you okay. have all of that um, you know, with brown sugar, so it's uh, yeah, it's, you know a lot of, lot of pimento um, a lot of pepper, it's some good stuff, yeah. Now, now I'm like wanting some, some jerk. Yeah, training. I
2: mean that. It does sound good. And like you were earlier, you were speaking about supporters and just how how it is. Like, um, that kind of made me think about uh, like music, right? So mm-hmm. like, so different like Jamaican music. Like, so like back in like the homeland. I mean, what what are some of the music that you would hear like at a at a football match there? Like, you know?
3: Ooh, um, that's funny because I'm never. I never went to a game down there, Um, but everything is, you know, I've been to concerts and stuff, but all of the, you know, it's like a, it's like a generational gap, you know, like here in in the States, you have, you know, like, you know, our parents are listening to OJs and the whispers and, you know, Michael Jackson to a certain point. And then all the rest of us are listening to like Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z and Drake. Right. So the same type of thing, you know, you're listening to, you know, Baris Hammond, or you listen to like Gregory Isaacs, or like the old kind of crooners, and then now the kids today are listening to like Popcorn or like Chronics or like Pro, you know, those kind of guys. Yeah. So, um, you know, it just kind of depends on where you are, who you are, and what the demographic is. Okay. Um, okay. But regardless, you know, Jamaica for being a, a island of three million people has made some incredible music that transcends borders, like almost like Northern music. Maybe hip hop mm-hmm. is the closest thing, a little bit of rock and roll, but like, you know, if you we we're just having a conversation the other day, Bob Marley is probably the most well-known artist outside of Michael Jackson um, in the entire world. And, you know, that came from that tiny little island, Right. Um, and, you know, just good vibes, good music makes you, makes you feel good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I asked you that because, you know, Again, as we are talking about supporters groups, I mean, like I said out here, like I created a supporters group that, you know, um, that celebrates, promotes black culture, if you will. Mm. And so, you know, my thoughts are, how can I implement, you know, black culture into like supporters culture? Right. Because, I mean, all the songs that are being sung are songs that are sung like in Europe, you know, or they're old songs that we've like taken and changed some words to. And every club does it. But I'm like. You know, the other night I was sitting there thinking, man, like, how could I implement, like, some dramatics? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what you see is what you get. How could, You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, how how can you implement things that are, like, of a culture uh, that are brand new as yeah. you're trying to diversify the yeah. crowds? So that's why I was interested, that. like.
3: Oh, I love know, that. Now I, I got to think saying?
2: about so, that. Yeah, yeah. So I got to think
3: about that. Yes. But, I mean, you guys were talking about Juneteenth earlier, too. And so. Yeah um uh, like one of the things i did here started black golf association at san diego and so we just had our juneteenth charity golf tournament um this past this past week um and it was just another way for you know like culture to transcend through sports and the whole thing um but one of the one of the people kind of like you know we gotta find like a soundtrack we gotta find that you know somebody was talking about that and like i was mm-hmm. like it's golf. Like, what do you mean? Like, you golf clap and you drive the yeah. cart. You drink a lot of beer. You know what I mean? Like, that's right, that's right, all you right. do. Like, what else? You, um, he's but he's like, running up on the pitch. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. super whispering. Yeah. And, oh, but I mean, yeah. I. We need to figure out a good song.
2: I'm saying, because I mean, like, oh. I always think about, like, if I can come across some African drums or like some, like, yeah, and like but, implement world music into the U.S. side.
3: The mm-hmm. New Mexico... You say New Mexico, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, wrote, and, I started a group called Black Diamonds. Black here. Diamonds. Dope.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, University of New Mexico, when I played against them in college, they're the only group that had full-on djembes, African drums. Right. Um, the whole time they, they were playing.
2: I don't know if they still do that. I was, you know, Tim.
3: Yeah, they don't even have ago. the men's
2: program anymore. Now it's just the women killing it. Oh. Well,
3: that answers a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but they used. They were like one of the few schools. then, and I think it was Birmingham, that had full on bays like full on mm. African drums. No, one, well, no African there, right? Uh, but it was full on djembe drums. They were doing the whole thing. Okay. Um, so yes, I've seen it, and it can be done. Um, I, yeah, and let me ask some people, and I'll, I'll get in touch with you after this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds to, good, and try to you know figure out something that you can, uh, you can implement into Black Diamonds. Nice. So- I'm not
0: going to even try to pretend that I could cook any of that food that you mentioned. So is there, are there some like legit local spots that folks can hit up? And Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Island Spice has been here for the longest in San Diego uh, run by Susie. I just was there actually the other day. Um, and that is now college and university. Um, there's another one, Layla's. Um, I think that one's off the of Cajon Boulevard. Um, there is Aki tree. Um Fargo's, which I think is called Caribbean Taste now, that's off of uh market or Euclid. I think it's off of market. Um so there's a few spots. Um and then you know, there's like the Afro Caribbean market, which is Alcohone and forty fifth ish, um, that you can go in there and um, you can do everything and buy everything from whatever spice that you want from all over Africa and the Caribbean, West Indies, um, to like getting goat. And that's what like, so I get by my goat. So I'm like, you know, like you just get everything there. Um, uh, yeah. So those, those spots I, I would highly recommend going just a little taste. All
0: right. I'll check them out. I live in city Heights. So some of those are
3: close. Oh yeah. That's you right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. You're right there. <laughs> Love I'm, it. A, I'm a spice is a perfect kind of like intro. Uh, all right. She's been doing it for a long time. All right. Island of Spice.
0: Got it. I, I texted it to the two so I would remember that. Like <laughs> yeah. we love our neighbors are Ethiopian and they cook yes. like and we they invite us over
3: sometimes and it's like, oh, this is so good. So, so we awesome. are
0: always an adventure to try You
3: get yourself. You know, a little culture. That's it, you know. Right? Like
0: right. So I think we do have to talk a little bit about the win. It was a huge win. So I think we should yeah. probably talk a little bit of the soccerness. Um, first half, second half, kind of tail of the two halves. Um, Loyal, Phoenix kind of going back and forth. but I think Loyal kind of dominated the first half. Uh, the second half, anytime Phoenix can sub out, like a leading, the league's leading scorer, Sandy Moore, <laughs> and bring in guys like Arturo Rodriguez, Prince Sadie, David Egbo, It's kind of an embarrassment of riches i think their bench could start it most usl teams um so uh i I mean a huge win a gutsy win i think their coach called us unprofessional for falling over at the end of the match uh but um i don't know about him i've watched enough soccer matches to know that's just how the games played there's that gamesmanship a little bit toward the end and uh, i take a little bit longer to get up. You take a little bit longer to walk to the ball. Um, I, I I also think it's just him being a little bit bitter losing. They don't lose very often, so I'm not sure they know how to do that very well. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the referee. Um, I had a chance to talk to some Phoenix supporters after the match. I actually shared a beer with one, uh, a couple of them yesterday. Uh, they were really, really complimentary to the team, uh, to the stadium, to the, the staff that was there. Um, so I know they had a really good time, and I think, uh, Mani, you were talking about just that feeling great walking away, even if you lose. Uh, we know that they're going to come back. Um, mm-hmm. Marissa, what were you, I know you were there live? You were kind of walking around. I was drumming, so I missed some of the things. Um, what What did you pick up on?
1: I mean, you kind of summarized everything for me. Um, what you know, the highlight, obviously, Jack Blake. Um, he I, we came up with a chant. I don't know if you guys are following my tweets, but like, it was awesome because he bo- did both goals—one for the left, one for the right. Um, I just felt—I don't know what it what it is. I can't really I can't put it into tactical terms because you guys know me. I think I say this every episode, but it just seemed very fluid. At least the first half, um, it didn't seem like they were disjointed. Like they, I felt like they had. Very much control of the match. Um, I wouldn't say... I mean, I guess the only thing... I don't know. I mean, I can't really pinpoint anything. I. It's not like I was drinking. I was just very, like, into the... More, I was into, the, into just the vibe of the people there. Like Moni was saying, like, there's 5,500 people there. Like, it's just different when you're there. You're not listening to, like, any over... Um, any like commentators or anything. So like, I didn't get a chance to rewatch the match, but um, it just didn't seem like they were um, disjointed. Like they had been in, in matches, like even last year when we were there watching during when there was no fans. And so I don't know if that's a combination of now being, you know, playing more frequently with each other and just getting more comfortable, more confident, obviously scoring more goals, which we love. um, Or it's just, um, The fans and the atmosphere—that's really just revving up the uh, the intensity level and the commitment to finish um, their their passes. I mean, the possession. I thought um, you know, usually they have more than that. That what was it, fifty-four percent? You said, Alan? Uh,
0: Mm Oh yeah, they ended at fifty-four percent.
1: Yeah, like they usually have higher than that, but. I don't and know. They, that's my takeaway. The first I mean, half, was,
0: uh, first half was sixty-two percent possession for San Diego. Yeah, right. right. Second half was forty-one. Uh, Chris, what um, did you notice being at home?
2: I mean, just good togetherness, really. You know, what I mean, like just yeah. they just like it's just to kind of caveat with Marissa is just just good togetherness. I mean, you know, they definitely fixed some issues that they had in, in earlier mas- matches. I mean, going up one goal half, I mean, you know, I did definitely have that sort of feeling we all have you know around phoenix which is like one goal is not enough you know like and don't don't celebrate too early because they'll find a way i mean and then going up two, being at, at you know at the two i'm like i'm like you just need to hope that you don't have like an asante in the box somehow getting that that clever clever like he gets that clever foul somehow you know and Sometimes it's the it's the the low shot that he takes and he gets the handball and you know I mean the guy's professional and, and he knows how to how to trigger it so I mean I was glad to see them just pull out I mean the two goals is good but now they're just really gonna have to work on the clean sheets because um, you know obviously we know the most dangerous score is like a two one uh, lead and uh, you know th- those next five minutes after usually is just like the most critical time you know so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure Amani's got something to, to say on top of that. So <laughs> is that is that my cue? Uh
3: yeah, so I mean I think what we've really noticed over the last end of last season, but really over the last about four or five ish games, is the loyal created their identity and like their style of play. And they're really unapologetic in the way they play. Um they make people adapt to them, rather than the other way around, and I really appreciate that. Especially, you know, where they're playing, especially when you're playing at home, like you're you're at your own place. You're going to play how you want to play. That's how it should always be. Um, and this kind of like converted. I don't even know how to describe it. Four four two, to like a three five three four three. You know what what they play, especially Jack Metcalf being able to go up so high. Mm-hmm. they had Elijah kind of going up pretty high as well. Um, Miguel Ibarra, um, and how he, how he plays kind of that wingback, ish role, uh, Jack Blake being able to pull inside, especially when Jack Metcalf gets forward. You have Corey kind of, uh, Herzog and kind of like this weird 10, nine slash double forward role, like withdrawn forward role. And Miguel Berry is supposed to be your catalyst. And, you know, obviously Charlie in the middle and like Troy, I mean, uh, Troy Muse? Trey? Troy. Trey, Trey. 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 Trey? Trey. Trey. Trey Muse has been kind of a rock in the goal, right? You know, he's had two mm-hmm. really, really good games in a row at home. And so um, I think them being able to really um, create their identity, implement their ideas, and then have it now following through with the goals um, is, is a major step in the right direction to the, to the full identity of what this team is going to be in, in the future. Um, you know, you talk about possession and how it felt free flowing and everything. And um, once once Phoenix went down two and then they got that goal back, then it started to become a little, little tense, a little sketchy, only because Phoenix had been in that situation before, what, three weeks ago, two weeks ago? Um, when they had 12 minutes of stoppage time, whatever crazy thing it was at the end of that game, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, scoring with over the timeline, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, those memories start to creep back in your mind as a player. Like, hey, am I reliving this? Is this deja vu, you know, in a different way? And Mm -hmm. am Mm -hmm. I really going to fall into the same trap? Uh, Phoenix gets a little bit more energized and, uh, I think, Alan, you said they had like eight or nine plays in the box at one point, right, for Phoenix. Like, you've got to go four. You know, like, you, like, what all you can do is just kick the ball away, right? And But I think, you know, when you get into those moments, you kind of have to lose yourself a little bit to see it over the line. And learning from the last Phoenix game, I think they finally, you know, did that. And then, you know, obviously it doesn't help to have somebody score two bangers, Um, throughout the game and then you know like then uh try to get uh, get you out
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah i would like to think that being home is the difference between that um the earlier match in june against phoenix where they drew Mm 2-2 and kind of getting the game over the line um this i also like the fact that i think phoenix tried to shut down miguel berry And that allowed some of the other teammates to be more successful, which was great to see that they people were able to step up into that. Because if not, then that's the game plan. You shut down Barry, you shut down Loyal. Right. Um, And then I want to give a big shout-out to Josh Yarrow. I thought he started real shaky when he came in, brand new, thrown into the system. But he was – like him and Elijah locked down that left side. Like I don't know if I have seen so many diving headers to clear the ball out of the box because they were – they were trying high crosses, wasn't working. They were trying those low crosses, and Yarrow was just like not having any of it. Like I'm like the Mighty Ducks 3, like cleaning up the trash. Like That's what <laughs> I thought he was doing. Just like every ball that came in, he was like, that's my ball. I'm clearing it out. You're not getting a chance. And I think that's a huge, um, a huge moment. If any of those low crosses come through, Datashov is there to clean it up. I thought Datashov had a terrible game. Uh, and you can tell by the Twitter meltdown from the Phoenix fans calling for him to be benched. Um, is there room for uh Stoneman from the question? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be rotation. There's going to be times where you have back to back matches and you don't want to have, you know, the same guys going every match, especially, you know, you're traveling to Vegas this Friday and playing in 8,000 degree weather. Guys are going to be beat up, uh, be drained. They're traveling. Uh, So having Stoney coming back is going to be great. He's already proven himself. Uh, But I know we were a little bit hard on Josh Yarrow at the beginning uh, because it looked like he was like, is he, is he not? And then he's really stepped into a role. And I was like a Josh Yarrow fan on Saturday night. Just, it was... Clearing everything away. It was almost like instead of Joe says no, Josh says no this time. Very much that same thing. Any time the ball got close to him, he was covering for Elijah really well. I thought those two played really well off of each other. Uh, If Elijah got caught out, Yara was slipping over and clearing the ball out. Uh, And then Elijah.
3: Defending. That's all it was.
0: And it was yeah. it's it's really nice to see that because I know that was an issue earlier in the season mm-hmm. where it was, mm-hmm. hey, we believe that the offense can come together, but it was that defense that we're like, mm. I mean, yes, a clean sheet would be great, but yeah, we want that not,
1: free car wash. Come on, right? Yeah. I haven't washed my car. Soap.
3: I'm Soapy Joe's man. My wife and I both need a car wash. I need. To, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's
1: about time. You hear you know? that trait? You hear that trait? Come on, man.
0: <laughs> right? And it, it seems to be like. Each of the goals the last two weeks were not necessarily like we got beat by really good goal, goal uh, really good shots. It was a a save that just happened to deflect right to uh, Rodriguez. Uh, the LA Galaxy, if I remember correctly, was kind of a deflected shot uh, that tucked itself into the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can even go back to the Louisville second goal. Like it's not like we're giving up huge bangers because the defense is breaking down anymore. Um, you're just getting. I mean, outside of Phoenix. You're 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 not giving up tons of opportunities that are really dangerous, um, and when you are Trey Muse is up to the task. Um, mm. They're going to have a tough time in Vegas. Um, it's a small, small, small pitch. Uh, Orange County scored a goal last uh, was it two nights ago on a throw-in that made its way to the center circle, and their defender headed it in. So like throw-ins can be corner kicks there. Uh, So I I think there's going to be a little bit of a struggle in Vegas as far as kind of figuring out how to play on that pitch. And that's what gives Las Vegas kind of that home field advantage. Um, They don't lose very often at home because I think a lot of teams who want to spread the ball out can't. um, And it forces everything kind of close in. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how the team reacts to that. Um, Any insight on that one, Mr. Walker?
2: Which (laughs) one? Ooh. playing
0: on <laughs> playing on weird shape pitches uh i mean look you know uh, yeah.
2: no helicopters dropping uh, money that's
3: all <laughs> uh yeah there's uh i mean it's just it's something that you just have to get used to and very very quickly you know this we played on um i mean we played on pitches that were 120 by 80 and I felt like I was literally playing in the middle of the field. Like there was nothing around me ever. Um, and then you play on, you know, 100 by 65, and you feel like you're playing at a, a high school field again. Um, you know, back in, you have kids who are just like literally, you know, like tossing the ball in and it goes to the other side of the, the, the center mark um, of the 18. Um, was correct me if I'm wrong, the Las Vegas game. The last time we played them at home, was that when Guido scored two goals or was that before that? Which game was that? The Hmm. last game we played Vegas? Yeah, it was at home. Was that 1-1? That was, no,
0: they've all been 2-1 at home.
3: Oh, 2-1, excuse me.
0: Uh, That was the uh, Guido and Herzog goal. So Guido scored. So oh, that was the one where he dropped right. back. Miguel Berry yes. drove in. He dropped back. And then the Corey yes. Herzog one was the...
3: The scramble.
0: Yeah, the, the Corey Herzog special.
3: <laughs> uh, somehow this ball is going to make it in the net. Maybe not on the first try or the second, but it's going to be at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we can talk about home field advantage, time, whatever, but th- these are professional soccer players that you're talking about with a professional staff who's going to get them ready for for whatever challenges they face, right? So um, the Loyal is not going to have as much time as they normally do, you know, them playing out the back, especially with the, you know, on the goal kicks um, and how they set up, uh, you know, two center backs really very close to the goalkeeper, wing backs very high. Um, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, just the spacing that Charlie's going to have, that um, Jack is going to have in there that Miguel has, right? That's going to be a little bit more more strenuous. And, and again, I don't think it really hurts the loyal that negatively, right. When you're playing in that, that tiny of a pitch, especially if you can get Miguel Berry just to turn somebody and go, Um, you know, so if we're playing, you know, where the midfield is not really being, being utilized that well, then Miguel needs to do better at playing off the shoulders of individuals and being able to play in behind, or receive the ball, being able to turn and really go at somebody because now it's – you know, now I'm running out somebody for 15 yards, 20 yards maybe instead of running at somebody for 35. And, you know, being able just to drop my shoulder, push it one way and strike a ball, um, yeah. that, that changes everything, right? So um, I think he's going to have to have a very big game. I think he's going to have to be very involved because, unfortunately, in smaller pitches, midfielders aren't involved that much, right? So him being able to find – his little pockets of space without crowding Charlie and everybody else in there, Corey, but also being able to play off the shoulders of each center backs um, and just really taking advantage of every chance they get. Um, and outside of that, I don't see Las Vegas really giving the loyal much trouble.
0: All right. Well, we really appreciate your insight yeah. into both San Diego history, uh, Jamaican food in San Diego. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and also wings, um,
1: wings, wings. Yes, wings.
0: wings yes. Uh,
1: Good
0: ones, so, right. uh, any any last thoughts um, before we uh, bid adieu, Chris?
2: Oh man, no, this has been great. You know, I was actually looking up, was actually looking up Jamaican dinners while he was talking. And uh, <laughs> thanks, tom- I think I got I got a choice of seven places tomorrow. So there you go. I'm pretty there you sure. Go. I'm pretty Oxtail. sure I'm going to get
3: one of them. Get some Oxtel. Always a good choice.
2: Oh, yeah, man. That's a good call right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on that. I'm, once I get that, I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to send it. Cheers. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marissa?
1: Final thoughts. Thank you so much, uh, Amani. I really appreciated your insight, obviously. I'm surprised we've never met before with all the teams that you've been involved in, and we are obviously at the matches together. So uh, look forward to the next time, or we can actually officially meet in person. So thank you for your time.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent, no problem. Yeah, I appreciate Alan. you guys. It's uh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll come on here I and mean, maybe we can talk more about the loyal next time instead of me. That's all right.
0: <laughs> I think it's important for people to to know who you are. If they don't, uh, yeah. they should. Um, so yes. I, I think it's important to not only talk about the team, but you know, get to know the peop the the people who have put in the work to create the soccer culture that is San Diego um, that allowed a team like Loyal to exist. Like Loyal doesn't exist in a vacuum. And I think Jerry put out an article kind of talking and highlighting that there's been quite a bit of history in San Diego that a lot of us just aren't really aware of. Uh, So it's always Mm -hmm. important to kind of know where you came from in order to kind of celebrate where you are. Um,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, So let's, uh, Amari, um, where, where can we find you on the internets?
3: uh right there my social monument man 16 I think that's both Twitter and instagram um and then uh I don't post much so don't expect to <laughs> find me but i will I will respond if somebody if somebody wants to reach out and um talk shop about anything I'm gonna I'm try to be a, well I would say a Renaissance man that's a lie i'm a I'm a jack of all trades master of none so just engage me <laughs> in something I'll, I'll try and figure out something to talk about.
0: Nice. marissa where can we find you
1: you can find me at hashtag marissa on instagram and twitter where can we find you alan
0: you can find me at a underwood 40 on the twitter
2: machines and chris yeah Yo, you can find me at by chris walker on twitter and instagram
0: so thank you for uh, listening. I do. I forgot to mention this at the very beginning, but this is officially our fiftieth episode. Our official fiftieth yeah. episode. I think there's like fifty-one. There's like this, like there's like a missing episode somewhere, and I guess we'll yeah, revisit yeah. that later. But officially fifty. Uh, so nice. uh, thank you, Imani, for coming on. Uh, we'll definitely see you out there. I think the next home match is a Tuesday night or against Oakland. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you're there, we'll see you. Um, yes, thank you guys. Uh, those of you who. Uh, commented along Uh, Carson Andy um, good to see you guys and we will uh, see you guys soon bye this and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network you can find other podcasts on bgn.fm the fairweather podcast is also sponsored by roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier to MLS USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.